This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. We're so glad you've joined us for another episode of the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. We're back after our holiday break and ready to start a new season of the podcast. As always, I've got my co-host and partner in crime, Leslie Bennett, here in the studio with me. Leslie, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what we're going to be doing this season? Thanks, Jimmy. It's great to be back. I do hope our listeners um, will go back and listen to the last season if they haven't already. We packaged it up on our website called The Business for Church Business, and you can find that at familychurchnetwork.com, and you can listen to all 10 lessons on the business on church business. But this season, we're going to talk about something we spend a lot of time talking about, thinking about, trying to figure out, and that's how to do multi-site. So, Jimmy, this is something you've been doing for a long time. I'd venture to say that you are one of the pioneers in the multi-site movement. So if it's okay, today I'm going to interview you about your journey in the world of multi-site. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what was your first experience as part of a multi-site church? Yeah, so when I was a little kid, my dad and a couple of guys in our community decided they were going to plant a church. And my dad was a layman, so he had a full-time job. But he was an elder in this church, non-paid, and uh, we planted the church. And so we followed kind of the Rick Warren pattern. Mm -hmm. So we went door to door. We passed out literature. We kind of did the best we could at a launch large church. We rented a community center. This is in the very early 80s. And so I got to do church planting that way. Then when I finished my master's degree in seminars, this must have been about like 1995, I went to Evansville, Indiana, and I worked at Grace Baptist Church and a guy named Mark Hearn was my boss. He was the senior pastor of our church. And Mark says in 1995, hey, I've got an idea. We need to start a new church. But instead of starting a new church autonomously, what if we start a new service Mm -hmm. east of town? We can rent a high school. We can start a service. And that'll be a way we kind of get started into church planting. Let's see if we can make that work. And if it can, maybe it becomes its own church plant. And so he hired me and a couple of other guys, Grady Sutton and another guy. And we Part of our job was to help launch this church, rent the facilities, get it ready, make the plan. And so we did that. And then when I moved to Louisville in the late 90s, and I worked for Kevin Ezel, he was my senior pastor at Highview Baptist Church in Louisville. And about the year 2000, we had the same kind of issues. We needed to either move our church or do something different. And I remember sitting around the pool at the Oldham County Aquatic Center with some other guys on our team. And Somebody said, hey, what if instead of starting another church or moving our church, what if we just started another service Mm -hmm. at a high school out east of town? Very similar to what Mark Hearn had said, and that's exactly what we did. And then we launched seven campuses while I was at Highview, and part of my job was to help launch those campuses and run the preaching team and hire the team and make the deals with the different facilities. And so that's how I got into it. And then when we came here to West Palm, we just kind of Right. Followed that pattern. So when that started happening, who were you learning from at that point? Like who were your early influencers? Who did you talk to? Who did you learn from? Or were you just all figuring this out on your own? Well, we actually knew Tom Rayner. So Tom okay. Rayner was a friend of ours. He lived in Louisville. 
And Mark knew Tom when I was in Evansville. Kevin knew Tom in Louisville. I knew him. And so Tom had actually done a satellite church in the late 80s. And so we learned some from him. And other than that, it really was School of Hard Knocks. This is before, especially with Mark, it was before the effective use of the internet. There wasn't anything to Google. There weren't any books about it. And there weren't any conferences about it. And so we were just kind of building the plan as we're flying it, as we like to say around here at Family Church. Exactly. And so why at that point did you think this was going to be the most effective strategy? Well, to be honest with you, the first time we did it, I thought it was really dumb. Okay. And so when Mark said what he wanted to do, I thought this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but heck, they're paying me to do this, so we'll help. But I really had no expectation that it would work, but lo and behold, it kind of started working. Mm -hmm. In fact, that campus that we planted back then is its own church today. It's one of the strongest churches in the Evansville area. Okay. And so at first, I didn't think it would work at all. And then when we started doing this at Highview in the early 2000s, there was the internet, not as good as what it is now, but it's still it's pretty good. And we could find out some more things. There were starting to be some more people doing it, but we didn't personally know anybody that was doing it. And back then, that's when people started doing video screen preaching. And of course, when the first people started doing video screen preaching, we said, and a lot of people in my environment in Louisville around Southern Seminary and other places said, that is the dumbest thing. Nobody's ever going to go do that. No one's going to go to church and watch a screen. If they're going to do that, they stay home and watch it on television. Of course, obviously, we've been proven completely wrong about that. And so we just didn't have a lot of people to learn from, and we had to figure it out. So right away, we'll talk about this in future episodes, but this decision you have to make between video and live preaching. But in your multi-site experience, you've always done live preaching. Yeah. So we've always done live. That's what we did with Mark Hearn in 1995 in Evansville. Definitely what we chose to do in Louisville. And that's what we've chosen to do here Mm -hmm. in South Florida. Just to be clear, I do have some reasons why I prefer live preaching as a model, why it fits me and kind of my vision for our church and leadership development, but I'm not theologically or philosophically opposed to video. And video is for sure the proven way to grow the largest and the biggest and the fastest, the most effective, at least in terms of reaching people, multi-site churches in North America are almost a hundred percent video preaching. And Mm -hmm. so for people hearing our podcast, I do have some preferences, but I wouldn't want anybody to misread that because I do think that video is a proven way of doing this. Right. And I think we'll talk about this in future episodes, but I think we've also seen some of the downsides of that in recent years and some people moving away from that. So That's true. we'll talk about that in some future episodes. So what were some of the lessons that you learned early on about multi-site that maybe you've carried? Because, you know, this season is going to be called multi-site church for the rest of us. So right, right. talking to people who are thinking about multi-site, maybe just getting into multi-site. So when you were first doing it, are there any lessons you learned that you've brought with you to where we are now? Probably two. One I would say is that multi-site works best if the leadership and the church has a passion to reach people and that's what's driving it. Mm-hmm. So whether it's because your site that you're on now is full and it's unbuildable, you can't expand it and you've got to go to another site, or whether it's just a desire to reach another group of people or another neighborhood, either way, the driving force for multi-site that's most successful is when people really have a passion for reaching people for Christ. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would say is that in order to do it, it doesn't cost a lot of money. At least it doesn't have to. Now, people spend millions and millions of dollars doing this. People buy big box stores and have long-term leases and buy property and all these things. 
And look, if you have the resources to do that, knock yourself out. But most of our listeners in church, for the rest of us, don't have anything like that. And I know a lot of pastors say to me, hey, this sounds like something I would really like to do, but there's no way we could afford it. You can actually do this for very little money. It's kind of like a wedding. So people say, I, yeah. I can't get married because I can't afford the ring. I can't afford the limo. I can't afford the dinner after. I can't afford the honeymoon. But the truth is, it's about 80 bucks to get a marriage license. And I, as your pastor, would be glad to marry you for free if you go through our process. So the truth is, you don't have to have a ring. You do have to have a marriage license. And it, you can do the whole thing for $80 if you really want to. And church planting and multi-size is kind of like that. Is it more fun to do it with the more bells and whistles and more people and more money? Sure, more money is always better. It's easier. But it doesn't mean it can't be done well. And so that's the other thing. And part of that reason is in order to make multi-site work, in my opinion, you've got to have a leader willing to lead the new site. And if you don't have the leader, I really feel like you're stuck in the mud. I see a lot of people with all of these plans and money and they line everything up. They really don't have the kind of leader they need to spearhead it. And it's never going to work. Yeah. Make a note. We'll have to talk about that future episodes. <laughs> Finding the right leader for your multi-site venture. Um, Easier said than done. Yeah, exactly. I definitely flubbed that up more than once. <laughs> and if you're listening and you work for us, I probably wasn't talking about you. Yeah. So did you come here to West Palm Beach with a plan to do multi-site? Yeah, I did come to West Palm Beach with a plan to do multi-site for a couple of reasons. One, I had seen it be successful in Louisville, and I was such a part of developing that process. I had some confidence in a way of doing it that I thought would work. The other reason is our church is in a major metropolitan area in the South Florida, you know, in the Miami metro statistical region, which we're a part of. There's over 7 million people. Mm -hmm. There's over a million and a half people in our own county. This is one of the most unchurched places in the United States. And so I know we need more congregations. Our church is situated almost on the ocean. It's about a mile from the ocean. And so when you think about a church and where they draw people from, you usually draw a circle around the church. Well, when you're on the coast, you can only draw a half a circle. That's right. Unless you want the whales and the dolphins. <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't gotten too many of them to come to church. So I looked at that and I thought, you know, if we're really going to make an impact for Christ, I don't think it's reasonable anymore to try to get all the people in South Florida to drive into downtown West Palm Beach to come to church. It would be better for us to take the church to their neighborhood where they live. And so... I kind of had a philosophical, a theological, and a missional reason for doing this. And then I had the experience doing mm -hmm. it before that I had a lot of confidence. At least I knew something about how to do it. Right. All right. So we're going to talk about the family church story on our next episode. So I don't want to go too far into that because we're going to pick that up next week. All right. All right. How's that for a cliffhanger? <laughs> That's a real cliffhanger right there. So to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Make sure you listen to us next week as we continue this conversation about multi-site church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you, too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.